it's going to disrupt everything. It's money. Everything that's built upon money will be disrupted. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are set to change the way we live, work, and do business radically. I wanted to speak to somebody to get a kind of beginner's guide to Bitcoin and to other cryptocurrencies and find out how it works, why we should care, and how we go about buying some Bitcoin if we want to take a chance on investing in some. So I'm delighted to have Mark Warner on this episode of the podcast. Mark runs the trading platform Bitilicious.com, which he designed from the beginning to be as easy to use as possible for beginners. And he's great at explaining the principles of cryptocurrencies to the complete novice, as I heard recently in his interview on Radio 4. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for making the time to speak with me. Yeah, thank you too. I want to understand about cryptocurrencies, and I keep wanting to say the word Bitcoin. There's a lot more cryptocurrencies than that. And I felt like you are the man who could do it. I heard you on Radio 4 giving (laughs) a good explanation. First of all... What is a cryptocurrency? <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a difficult question, in all fairness. Um, so Bitcoin, as you mentioned, is the first word that comes to people's minds when you say cryptocurrency. And it is indeed the first cryptocurrency out there. It's been around since 2009. Um, but really what Bitcoin is, and this kind of the basic of cryptocurrencies, is a way to... Um, for Bitcoin's sake, to send money, uh, to receive money and to hold money without having to involve anybody else. So when you send money nowadays, you need to go to your bank, apply for a bank account, um, try and send money. Um, you know, They have to call you to check it. Mm. They have to make sure you're sending it to is reputable, that you can't send too much, too little, mm. all sorts of tricky things involving banks. Now, it's a lot easier if you can just send money. So we don't have the equivalent of cash um, on the internet, or at least didn't until Bitcoin came about. Now, as you're aware, giving £10 to your mate in cash is really easy. You just give them cash. Mm. And Bitcoin's really managed to replicate this over the internet. It doesn't involve a bank. It doesn't involve having to ask for permission. You just send a certain amount of Bitcoin to your friend who has a Bitcoin wallet, and it just goes through. So you're not involving any banks or third parties Everything is provable mathematically that it's going to work, and it's just hassle-free. Now, the big benefits that people don't think about quite often is that banks, they aren't really that great. So <laughs> right. they, 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 they do some useful things, no doubt about it. So but, what's the problem with banks then? Um, well, okay, so we, we kind of assume everyone's got a bank account. My company, for instance, doesn't. There are companies that banks will not give bank accounts to because, wow. I don't know, they don't meet certain criteria. People who don't have fixed addresses often can't get bank accounts. And we're just talking about the UK at the moment. When you're talking about on a global scale, there are so many unbanked people. And it does disproportionately affect those, uh, the poor, those without homes, those without really decent internet access as well. Mm. So we kind of forget about this quite often. But we don't really need the banks for simple things, at least, like sending bits of money between people. Um, 
Furthermore, banks cost money. Um, to send money, you don't notice it very often when sending it to your sending a small amount of money to your friends, but trying to send money abroad um, costs a lot of money, especially if you're trying to convert between currencies or send urgent things, say, to India. Say you've, you're working with some friends in India who might be doing, I don't know, some tech work for you. Really difficult to pay them. And the banking restrictions do make life difficult, especially for companies that are, well, like like my own bit of literature, cryptocurrency company that are kind of new, kind of weird, and yeah. the banks are very wary about. So just by removing anyone that can say no, which is a bank or a government or anything like that, makes sending money really frictionless. And we can also go on to even making computers send money to each other. Say the, the standard example about the fridge being on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> the fridge could order for you via Bitcoin without having to bother with anything else. Or in a more real life example, say some server equipment is is being broken and something detects that. Mm -hmm. If it can just send money that it has control of, it can do all the ordering for you. So just not having to bother with getting permission from anyone so, and this all being provably safe is so quite give your free so you, so you can then give your fridge a budget and say you yeah. know just just buy the milk when it runs out and you know don't spend too much on the milk <laughs> we'll, we'll exactly it. it's a, it's a totally frivolous example but letting computers order for you of course within constraints could be quite useful yeah. um and it doesn't have to ask for permission from the bank it doesn't even you know banks go down as well banks go down for maintenance Bitcoin doesn't suffer any of these problems. It's it just works. So that's interesting. So then, what we're talking about Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies—they're a kind of currency. Because of course, the problem is, if you pay me however many Bitcoin, I can't yet necessarily pay for my holiday in that, or I can't necessarily go to the corner store and buy a pint of milk with it, can I? Yeah, it's early days for this. I mean. Exactly. It will be in the future, I think. But yeah, um, like any other currency, you often have to convert between currencies. So a Bitcoin is worth a Bitcoin. It's worth a fluctuating amount of pounds, euros, dollars, yen, however you want to do it. So at the moment, because it's early days, because most places don't accept Bitcoin, you do need to convert between Bitcoin and pounds. Um, you can do this via a number of methods. There are some ATMs that dispense pounds for Bitcoin. There are debit cards that you can actually just spend anywhere that has Visa and it comes out of Bitcoin. So it can be quite transparent. But there are some places that accept Bitcoin natively. Say the, the Brewdog pub in Canary Wharf, you can pay for all your beers and Bitcoin. Really? There are a couple of couple of pubs in London that accept it for, for beers and pizza. There are certainly enough online stores that you can buy, mm. usually tech equipment at the moment for Bitcoin uh, or even gift cards. That's one way to get around it. So mm. we're, in, we're in early days. There aren't that many people using it on a day-to-day. -day, that's true. It will be at some point in the future. Um, but generally, for now, you're right. You do need to convert. And so what you described so far sounds a bit like any other currency, but one where we're taking the friction out. It works mm. differently because you don't have to involve banks, and, and that's always a good thing because banks are terribly uh, troublesome. <laughs> Although they insert some safeguards too. Um, yes. But they... So you, what you described sounds like a currency, but the, the level of excitement around cryptocurrency is more than that, isn't it? So people are saying that cryptocurrencies are basically going to change absolutely everything. So why is that? Okay, so, I mean, first of all, money is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, it gets Cryptocurrencies can be even more exciting than just money, but let's yeah. not underestimate how important a so-called basic cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin is. Being able to change how we interact with money being able to stop governments from printing money, say quantitative easing, we kind of forget that's 
literally making every pound in your pocket worth less when they do that. All of these things don't happen. It's it's it, mm-hmm. that will revolutionise so much about money and especially international trade. It'll be a bit awkward for some governments because they can't they 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 lose some of the tools. They can't set interest rates and that sort of thing. Um, we'll see how much pushback there is when things start getting popular. But that will absolutely revolutionise things. We can't forget about that. But there is more. Yes, mm-hmm. you were kind of hinting with uh, lots of different alternative cryptocurrencies. Um, I think Ethereum is one of the best examples where it's not just money that's distributed, open, free, resistant uh, resistant to um, censorship, etc. Um, but code can be. Now, this is like a computer, it's a very, very small computer program that runs across a network of thousands, tens of thousands of computers and is verifiably correct, safe, distributed, doesn't involve any government. Now, a bit of code, we, we, we could be talking a little bit of code that implements some voting system. For instance, each of us has a vote um, and it could be a, a referendum or a vote in a company. And actually a whole company can even be on the blockchain, on this distributed mm. thing. So you can buy shares and you can then vote based on those based on this company that's on the blockchain and no one can basically interfere with it mm. really really early days you think bitcoin's in an early phase things such as ethereum in a really really early phase so we're very much everyone's kind of testing out the possibilities of this at the moment so it's kind of a watch this space but it's quite weird and exciting at the same time but it's going to have it is going to have a big impact on governments because doesn't bitcoin basically mean doesn't it become an awful lot easier to transfer uh, currency and also assets, if you're talking about Ethereum and these more interesting uh, cryptocurrencies, across borders? I mean, basically, borders kind of disappear. And then, yeah. like, how do you tax that stuff? So that that does create some interesting problems for governments, doesn't it? Well, let's remember the this is cash. So how do you tax cash moving across borders? When people complain about the bad things cryptocurrencies mm. do as well, just remember, it's always cash. Cash is the the ultimate money laundering tool, the ultimate <laughs> tool for buying dodgy things, and the ultimate tool for evading tax. Mm. Um, there are reasons why countries are being very private about sources of funds mm. and lots of other real things. And Bitcoin will never be as um, trans, well, as opaque, actually, as cash. You, yeah. you can give cash to anyone. It's a physical thing. But blockchain is traceable to an extent. You can see always where money is going to and from on the blockchain. It's public by its definition. The only thing is you can't often easily tell who's associated with account numbers. But you can trace everything. You can't yeah. with cash. Cash is yeah. the ultimate. So you've got to put things into perspective. If, if we're moving from cash to Bitcoin, things mm. get better. Things get more transparent for the governments. It's not going to be perfect for them but the it's all the balance of freedoms and and uh usefulness really yeah but i i, I heard things like so we perhaps we ought to talk about the blockchain because it's relevant to what i was going, mm. about to ask yeah. the the blockchain is kind of the backbone of all cryptocurrencies it's the concept mm. that that makes cryptocurrencies work what is the blockchain yeah. okay so we're going into the technicalities of bitcoin mm. now um really this the, the reason this is revolutionary is because this was a problem in computing that people thought couldn't be solved, which was 
if you have thousands of computers, how do you get them to agree on something? If they're untrusted, they're run by even foreign entities, foreign companies, or people that just want to steal money, how do you get them to agree on it? And the blockchain is the answer to this computer science problem. Now, from when Bitcoin first came, you had it it's made a block. Now, a block is essentially a provable amount of work. So if you have you have a computer solving a pointless equation, essentially, but it takes time, it provably takes a long time. And when the solution comes out, it publishes it and it's easy to check the solution. So it takes a long time to do that, but then you've made a block. Someone else needs to then make a block to build on top of that. So you've got a little stack, i.e. a blockchain. Now, why would you make a computer pointlessly do an equation? Yeah, you do it to earn Bitcoin. So every time you prove, well, every time you win, really, you manage to solve this equation, you get a certain amount of Bitcoin. And so, if Bitcoin's worth money, you get money. Um, so it causes it's quite an interesting economic thing. It really incentivizes people to try and make the quickest computers they can to solve these pointless equations. Um, but more importantly, it stops anyone from trying to write fake information. Mm -hmm. So if you were to try and steal some Bitcoins by, say, I was to send you something mm -hmm. and some dodgy guy was trying to pretend that I sent him that, mm -hmm. they would have to solve the kind of equations to rewrite the transaction that we just had mm -hmm. in their favor. But not only would they have to solve that, they would have to go back to where these coins came from and sort of sort of backtrack a lot essentially it's incredibly difficult for someone to do this because they're fighting against the majority of people who are in it for money but also mm. with the side effects of helping the whole ecosystem so it balances technology balances, balances economics and human greed and that's really what's made it sustainable it doesn't require volunteers at all it mm. requires people that want to make money <laughs> and humans love making money so we yeah. I can see yeah, why it appeal, this whole philosophy uh, appeals to libertarians. So Yeah, it's as free as you can get. Yeah, exactly. No external influences. Pure supply and demand really gets involved here. It's, it's, it works. You know, it's been around mm. since 2009, and no one's managed to sort of crack it, so crack the encryption. Mm. And even from an economic perspective, it's worked because people are still greedy. And the checks and balances inside of Bitcoin <laughs> itself are still there. And the, and the blockchain ends up as a record of who owns what Bitcoins. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. Well, so in the I case said, of Bitcoin, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so as I said, every time a block is made, some Bitcoins get created. So that's where the Bitcoins come from, essentially. But the blockchain, you're right, lets you track everything. And you can kind of go back in time and see back in 2008, for instance, mm. this address held this amount of money and then see where it's gone now, see all the different addresses it's gone through. So, yes, it's a, a time-based history from 2009 to now. And people are saying that this blockchain concept is going to become important, like people might exchange, you know, uh, house purchases using some kind of blockchain structure instead of all the, all the different accounts and, and third parties that get involved at the moment. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. People often try and use blockchain to solve a problem that's not there. That is a bit of a, <laughs> an issue. You know, it's it sells great to shareholders. They're thinking blockchain. Oh, this is a forward thinking company. Let's let's give them more money. Um, blockchain isn't a solution to everything. That's that's just that's just a way to get people excited. <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, there are some things. I think the housing example is a possible one because say the, um, I forget the registry of houses, I forget what it's called, the land registry. Mm. Um, if that information was made a bit more publicly available, um, maybe you could track kind of who owns certain bits of land on a public ledger. And then given the appropriate authorizations, maybe you could transfer it between people. Um, certainly the money side of things gets a lot easier. We don't have to involve um, everyone, really. You can do cool things such as um, not sending money into a shared account that doesn't then get released until both parties agree. Yeah. So you can get rid of the need for certain escrow things, i.e. get rid of the need for essentially lawyers that might want to hold money until everything goes through. Yeah. You can certainly do some streamlining things in that in that way. It's not going to solve everything. Um, but yes, there are so many different things to try out. Some things might even sound great in principle, but only when it's put into practice will we realize that something's going to fall apart. Yeah. And what do you think it's going to, what area of life and, and business do you think it's going to have the biggest impact on? If, what's, it, what's it going to disrupt the most, do you think? Um, it's probably, well, I mean, it's money at the end of the day. It's going to, okay, we're still carrying cash around. Cash is right. really, really should die. Um, <laughs> it, it's, um, but you need something that doesn't involve a centralized authority as well because cards don't work sometimes. Mm. I remember that two weeks ago, the whole of the MasterCard network stopped working. And I couldn't buy anything for about five hours in one evening. And I was in a, you know, just speaking to some friends trying to get a pizza. How can the whole of MasterCard be down that handles almost half of the world's card traffic? There, there are big problems. It's going to disrupt everything. It's money. Everything that's built upon money will be disrupted. We'll, there's, there's a lot more work that needs to be done to make it, um, make there be more transactions allowed per second, in other words, to make it scalable. But we're going to get there. And everyone that's in the, the sphere to do with money needs to be thinking about things. It's not going to mean banks uh, no longer exist. Banks are useful entities to to hold money, to lend it to other people, to provide safeguards, etc. But people, will, well, companies will need to sort of reinvent themselves a bit. So, I mean, it's it's not just one industry. It's everything that involves money, really. And recently, um, was it last year or was it this year? I forget. The um, Bitcoin had a massive spike and the value of Bitcoin went up hugely. It's now... Yeah dropped a bit since then hasn't it what's going on what caused that spike and you know is it is it likely to go up again or down i know we shouldn't be giving any investment <laughs> advice but you yes. might have an opinion since you're somewhat involved in the trading yeah well obviously i'm bullish on bitcoin um if if it change if it becomes used by everybody then it's going to be worth a lot if it fizzles into nothing and people think it's too difficult to use then it won't uh, who knows um i think it's going to be worth a lot more than it is at the moment certainly but why the price went up why the price went down it's as you said the libertarians love it it's pure supply and demand if you know lots and lots of hype makes price go up lots and lots of fear makes price go down and that kind of exaggerates the swings that it should otherwise have um on top of that as well, we've got to remember, this is such early days for Bitcoin still. Um, the amount traded is, I think it's something like $30 billion a day. That sounds like a lot, $30 billion a day. Um, that sounds like a lot, but it's not in you know the world's financial markets. And it's certainly not a lot in terms of FX, so foreign exchange. Mm. So because it's small, because volumes aren't that big, you're going to get bigger fluctuations. 
So when people suddenly get excited, liquidity is not quite as much, which means the effects of hype and fear are exaggerated. So prices suddenly go up, suddenly go down. Um, that's just what it is at the moment. As it becomes more used, as more people, you know, essentially the volumes increase, we should see a more dampened effect, I think. Right. Um, but yes, it, it's people getting excited and people forgetting about it. So I think two years ago, it's it was getting in the press a lot. And this is happening again. The press is starting to get really interested in it. Um, only when the price goes up, it would appear. So that causes a bit of a positive <laughs> feedback cycle. And then as it goes down, the press starts saying, oh, it's dead. It's, you know, it's it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's crashing. And then people yeah. want to sell the Bitcoins because of fear of it going down to zero. So there's a lot of positive cycles going on here. Um, it'll stabilize at some point. But it's it's just the price isn't the most interesting thing, to be honest. The technology yeah. behind it is far more interesting. Back in, um, I think it was 2009, I, I was just starting to hear, well, actually, I suppose it was around 2010. I was just starting to hear about this Bitcoin thing. And mm. um, maybe it was later than that. But there was a, a dispensing machine where you could buy Bitcoin. You could put a, car, a credit card yeah. in and buy Bitcoin. And it was in it was next to Old Street Station. And a friend of mine told me about it. And I don't know if he It's still there. Is it? It's, right. It's, it's still there. Go to an income soup in Old Street Station. There's That's still the one. It's in, a, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, in a, it's in a soup shop that's right it's still there <laughs> okay if i had bought a bitcoin back in when how long has it been there do you think since 2010 or something oh, that seems a little early i've got to say yeah, I mean, maybe 2012 it, it was a, well i got into bitcoin in 2012 um okay. bitlicious was formed in may 2013 so mm. it i would again be a little surprised if it were there then mm. but it could have been there would have been one or two and that would have definitely been one of the earliest ones so maybe so five possible. years ago so five years ago how much was a bitcoin you got any rough idea what the oh, value was back then so so two years ago almost the day it was worth similar to what it's worth now so about really? thirteen thousand dollars yeah okay. um this has been kind of a two-year-ish lull as it's come back mm. to this now um I oh, before that it was much lower, definitely definitely three figures. Um, right. I don't know where. So if I'd spent yeah. a few hundred quid, I could have bought a bitcoin. It would now be worth thirteen thousand. What is it now? Thirteen thousand. Roughly thirteen thousand dollars. Um, yeah, dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You could have done, but you know what? It's you probably would have sold when it reached two thousand dollars. Exactly. <laughs> it's that's that that's kind the, of cognitive bias where you just see the the, the 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 opportunity cost in retrospect but you don't actually see but you probably would have sold it anyway when it was worth 200 rather than 100 it's so, true we're good at saying you know what ifs but yeah reality yeah. is we wouldn't be rich if we did that i i did actually because i knew we were talking today i started looking because i remember i also signed up for a wallet at some point back when i had a pc and it was probably it was probably really early on and uh, I signed up for a crypto wallet. I didn't really understand it. And then I was trying to remember, did I buy something then? Did I buy <laughs> a coin? Yeah. And I also, did I buy a coin in Nincom Soup, in the soup shop, or did uh, I not? Because yeah. I was going like, if I've got a coin in there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the thing. At the time, you thought it was £20 worth, say, and yeah. you didn't care whether you lost that within reason. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's... It's a tricky one. Um, look through pieces of paper, I guess. <laughs> so you run, um, what would you describe? You run Bittylicious, bittylicious.com. Yeah. And That's tell me, right, yeah. how would you describe it? What is it? 
trading? So, yeah, bitlicious.com is a trading platform, but it's actually more simple than that. It's a, it's a place where we sell Bitcoins and Ethereum and other cryptocurrency mm -hmm. to normal people. Um, we have been around since 2013, which makes us absolutely ancient in this space. Mm -hmm. um, so there's quite a lot of trust um, involved there that we've built up over the years. Um, we just try and make it easy for people that want to buy some amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum. We're not really for the big guys that want to in invest or do weird leverage or weird things. Mm -hmm. We're on about someone that's interested in Bitcoin, wants to get started saying, okay, fine, let's buy 0.05 of a Bitcoin. You know, we'll play around with 50 pounds worth or so. Bitalicious is the place to, to do that. Um, we're very good at hand-holding. Our support system, our support team is really quite nice, <laughs> basically. We won't, we won't call you stupid in any way if you don't understand what's going on. Um, we have a few good guides, um, but we, more importantly, we're trustworthy. We keep the process extremely simple, and we try and guide you through it. You know, you can look at look at our reviews and just yeah. Hope we're here, we're here to get you into the ecosystem. And really. I think I follow one of your links to one of your guides, which is it's the links mm. on the front page. So yes. if, any, if anyone's listened to this and wants to go more into um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and so on and the blockchain, then reading your guides is quite a nice. Um, kind of, it's a bit like your own version of Wikipedia, but you've sometimes Wikipedia yeah. is not that readable, to be honest. So you've, <laughs> you've done a nice version for people. And and if I want to buy a Bitcoin or if I want to buy a piece of Ethereum or whatever, so Bitcoin is now $13,000 per Bitcoin, but you're saying yes. I can buy zero point, what's the smallest amount that I can buy through you? Okay, so through us, I think the limit's about five pounds, but you don't really want to do that because it, it costs money to send Bitcoin at the moment. But okay. when people are getting really excited, um, the transaction fees go up. Um, so it can cost a little bit of money to send Bitcoin. Mm. Um, so you don't want to buy just £5. Pounds. You want to buy a bit more. doesn't need to be much. So realistically, I'd say go for at least £20. Pounds. Um, but if, if, you're, if you're actually... Uh, yeah, so £20 pounds is, mm. what, 0 0.002 or something like that. So you can go down to eight decimal places if you want. Um, like a fraction of a penny, but it's not going to be very useful to you. Yeah. Um, but you absolutely, you're right. You do not need to buy a whole Bitcoin. People seem to think that's the minimum units. You, you don't. You yeah. can buy tiny, tiny fractions of it. That's fine. Right. And, and what could you, why did you want to create Bitylicious? Why did you start out wanting to put this thing together? Um, really... I, I'm very pro Bitcoin, so I was looking around and thinking, you know, when I speak to my friends about this, how do you buy Bitcoin? And the solutions there are all tricky. And the biggest problem I found with lots of other sites is that you go to the site, but then you need to pick who you want to buy Bitcoins from. Okay. So you get a list of 20 random people. You can try and assess all their scores and see how trustworthy they are and how quick they are. But that's really, really off-putting. If you think you have to check out these random people online based on just a few lines of text. So my feeling was, okay, why do we need to trust random people? Why don't we just trust a trusted company? So Bitalicious holds what's known as the escrow. So if you pay, um, well, if you're trying to buy some Bitcoin, we lock Bitcoins on our end from someone that's selling them to you. And only when they send you the Bitcoin do they get... The money essentially oh, okay. yeah. so you only have to trust us now this could mean that someone on the back end of bit delicious could run away but they'll never be able to run away with your money mm. the other thing is as well there are there are other parts to picking someone trustworthy they could be someone really slow someone that's rude to you who knows so if you 
make sure everyone on the Bitalicious platform is reliable, quick, good communication, and sort of have minimum standards for everybody, then you make the whole process a lot seamless, a lot more seamless than any other platform. Now, it's this all comes actually from a slightly trickier problem in the UK where banks, as, as I hinted earlier, banks don't let companies like mine have a bank account, as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> six, year, six years in, no high street bank will give Bitalicious a bank account. And that's the same with every other cryptocurrency company. Now, this is weird, but the way around it, on Bitalicious at least, is that you pay a broker on Bitalicious directly, but we hold the Bitcoin safely for you. So you pay someone else who's trusted, who's been vetted and everything. So you're not going to be a dodgy person, but it doesn't matter what they do really, because we've got your Bitcoin and we will send it to you mm. when we need to. So it's it started off as a way to get around these annoying problems where the banks are terrible. And remember, we only really have sort of five real banks because of clearing banks. They hold all the strings to, to the real retail banks. Um, but yeah, that's what it came about. It's a bit of a weird system, but it means you trust mm. Bitalicious, no one, no one else, and it's really, really simple for, for the end user to use. Yeah. So oh, yeah, is this kind of gap that. in the market? It's a usability gap, basically, Bitalicious fills. Yeah. And do people need a, a cryptocurrency wallet to buy through Bitalicious? Yes, they do. So we, we also are a bit special that we don't ever hold users' Bitcoins um, unless only temporary on a temporary yeah. basis when we're waiting for it to come, essentially. Um, every user on Bitalicious needs to get their own wallets. Now, we have guides, as you saw on the, the buying guide, very simple ways for, for how to get your own wallet. Mm. But we intentionally don't want to hold user funds because why? <laughs> it doesn't benefit us. It puts us makes us a target if something goes yeah. wrong. And also it gives a lot of trust to to people that want to buy Bitcoin. They know that we can't, that, that we're not going to do an exit scam because we've got no real money to exit with. Um, it kind of encourages people to do what they should do with Bitcoin, which is to actually own it themselves, to own their own wallets and to look after things themselves, which is the whole point. It's like, yeah, it's like holding cash in your wallet. That's really what Bitcoin's supposed to do. And I absolutely believe that. So we, we, we ask you to get your own wallet. We provide full instructions for how to do that. Right. If you're going to buy quite a lot, say maybe a thousand pounds worth or even a few hundred, give you instructions on how to get certain more secure wallets like hardware wallets. Um, this is a really interesting thing people don't think about. Bitcoin is quite hard to hold if you don't know what you're doing. So mm. there are really secure ways of doing this though. And as I said, if you're spending, having more than a few hundred pounds of Bitcoin, you can buy what's known as a hardware wallet for about £50. It's a little bit of hardware, about that big, so like a USB mm. stick that fits into your computer, and they are super, super secure. Mm. Your Bitcoins will be safe. Nothing can be released unless you physically press a button on there. And this is absolutely what people but need to do if they're buying something. Then you've got to make sure that no one steals that physical wallet. Within reason. There's a pin on it as oh, well. Oh, there's a pin on so, it. Okay. So Four good. to six-digit pin. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty secure, and you can do good things as well. So, I mean, this you've got the next problem of what happens if you lose it. Yeah. Um, but there's, I mean, Bitcoin is so cool. <laughs> um, there's a, a backup phrase which is sixteen words or no, twelve to twenty-four words. Sorry, that you can right. write down somewhere safe. So what a lot of people do is write down these words. They don't remember themselves. Mm. Um, but leave it in a safe deposit box or with a lawyer or in another location that's safe, mm. that if they do lose the hardware wallets or if they die and they want mm. to pass on the money, 
um, these 12 to 24 words actually entirely correspond to your Bitcoins. So right. you can actually store Bitcoins in your head if you remember these words as well. Right, yeah. um, there's, there's lots of really weird ways to, to think about this, but it's so flexible. It, it's really, it, you can't do this with cash. Yeah. This is what makes it so exciting as well. It's all information. And that's so, what these words are. So we, they, people can either get one of those hardware devices or mm. um, they can get a wallet. Do you have a recommended software wallet or app wallet that people Yeah, use? if you're using a mobile phone and you're buying Bitcoin, uh, Samurai Wallet's a very, very good one, one of my mm. favorites. Uh, there are the old guys in the sphere, blockchain.info are very good. Um, even when you have this, though, you've still got to be savvy. If you're using a web wallet and not a hardware wallet or so even an app wallet, You've got to be careful about phishing emails and stuff still. You know, people pretending to be from blockchain.info. Click on this link because you need to update your password. And then you enter your password and then they have all your Bitcoins. So you've got to be savvy. Hardware wallets seriously are the way to solve all of this because you can't send Bitcoin unless you physically press a button and see where it's going to. Mm -hmm. So 50 pounds, sure, store on the phone. More than hardware wallets. So if you're going to have a, a play, then you could get a Samurai wallet or the blockchain.info wallet, on, which is an yeah. app you can download on, yep. on your phone. Or yep. if you're going to really go for it and you're going to have, you know, a thousand pounds or more um, and get into it and play with it seriously, then maybe get one of these hardware keys. Absolutely. So, yeah. They're worth it. Okay. And so people want, if people want to try this out and buy 0.02 or, or more of a, <laughs> um, of, a, of a Bitcoin or something else, then the URL is bitylicious.com, B-I-T-T-Y-L-I-C-I-O-U-S.com. Perfect. Yes. Yep. Okay. And um, do you make commission off this thing? Does it, is this how it works as a business? Yeah. So we've got to make money. Um, so when people do a trade on the platform, um, as I said, you actually pay a broker really at the back end uh, the money. But we, we take 1% of the Bitcoin amount. So we, we pay ourselves in Bitcoin and that's the commission we get. It's as simple as that. Pretty simple, transparent process. And it's enough money to keep us going and investing in Bitlicious. But yeah. we're not actually going to be rich from this either, right. unfortunately. Yeah, it's just kind of a passion project. And um, you can presumably, you said you can't, you don't have a bank account. You get paid in Bitcoin. But uh, you can take that out, right? You can, okay. you can pay yourself. <laughs> so we don't have a bank account in mm. the UK. That's the okay. difference. So right. we... we so we get commission in Bitcoin, and we also offer people can buy Bitcoin with credit cards on our sites. Now it costs a lot more because credit cards are very expensive to use um, on on cryptocurrencies, at least. Um, so we actually can sell some of the cryptocurrency for so-called real money, so pounds and things like that. Um, but we can't bank in the UK, so we have bank accounts in Europe. That's how we get around it. Really, it's yeah. not ideal. It means we have to go through the slightly slower European process for sending money and we have to do foreign exchange and it's all a big pain in the neck. But every time I do one of these transfers, it makes me think if everything were in Bitcoin, yeah. we wouldn't need this. So it kind of just gives me the encouragement that what yeah. I'm doing is quite exciting and really the future. Yeah, well, hopefully soon. Uh, De Beauvoir Delhi will take Bitcoin and then uh, yeah. we'll have to, uh, <laughs> we won't have to lose <laughs> any cash at all. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> And if people want to follow what you do, you, you use, uh, are you a Twitter person? Yeah, mostly Twitter. Um, yeah, we have, we're on a few other social networks, but really Twitter's the place to be because 
I mean, Bitcoin's not very photogenic, so yeah. <laughs> text is really the good way to get involved. Um, we are bitalicious underscore on Twitter. Right. Uh, sadly, someone else got the bitalicious one, yeah. so we're with the underscore. But it'll be quite clear when you go to the go to the Twitter page yeah. that it's us. Okay, great. Well, that's been fascinating, Mark. I, I'm I'm starting to understand it now. This is good. <laughs> it's been a good education it, for me. It's very difficult to really understand unless you buy a little bit. So if you buy a little okay. bit, then it's great, and you can send it to your your brother, your friends, whatever, and kind of just mess around with it. But just yeah. having a little tiny piece of the pie is the best way to really get to feels with how magical it yeah. is. That's a good tip. Okay, I will do that. Well, thanks very much, Mark. <laughs> no problems. Thank you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.